Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I am Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hello. Hi, says BP. Today, we're going to be playing Root for our redemption episode. Root was designed by Cole Worley of Pax Pamir, Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile, developed by Joshua Yearsley of Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile, the artist was Kyle Farron of Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile, Fort, Vast, The Crystal Caverns, and it was published in 2018 by Leader Games. The description, the nefarious Marquis de Cat has seized the Great Woodland intent on harvesting its riches. Under her rule, the many creatures of the forest have banded together. This alliance will seek to strengthen its resources and subvert the rule of cats. In this effort, the alliance may enlist the help of wandering vagabonds who are able to move through more dangerous woodland paths. Though some may sympathize with the alliance's hope and dream. These wanderers are old enough to remember the great birds of prey who once controlled the woods. Meanwhile, at the edge of the region, the proud squabbling Irie have found a new commander who they hope will lead their faction to resume their ancient birthright. The stage is set for the contest that will decide the fate of the Great Woodland. It is up to the players to decide which group will immediately, will ultimately take root. The mechanics are action cue, action retrieval, area majority influence, area movement, dice rolling, hand management, point to point movement, race, variable player powers, variable setup. And at the box art. All right. So it is a cartoon, cartoony look for um, the four factions, I guess. Yeah, they're all looking pretty mischievous. Um, <laughs> the Marquis in particular, I'd say. Um, yeah, so they're in like a woodland setting and um, the Marquis is in a little creek and... Um, birds up in a tree. Birds up in a tree. The mouse is hanging out on a roof. Root itself. Um, yeah, because there's like a, a different like color... Um, imprint uh behind each letter i think mm -hmm. again for the different four animals um yeah i don't know it's a very attractive color cover yeah. <laughs> i think i've said it before previously with other kids because when we played fort this is a similar mm -hmm. art style to fort uh we haven't played fast or ahoy but this is also has similar art style i like the art style i think it's fun mm -hmm. so why did we pick this for a redemption episode so I think we were all kind of just like a little bit for Eric and I, I think we both made the comment that like we understood why people liked it so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I had said like, it's a game that I liked enough that, but I'm not sure I wanted to play it with other people that like I wanted to, I would play it solo. And then I think like a month after that, they were, they released the, the computer game version that you could play solo, uh, which I haven't been playing, but like that is a thing that's out there. So I, I think it was one of those, like, we understood why people like it, but we weren't sure that we liked it. So we're just giving it another shot to see if maybe it was just because we also only played it with three of the base factions. We didn't play it with the Vagabond. Mm -hmm. And I think Eric had said something like, you know, he would have liked to have seen the Vagabond get played so we could see, you know, all the factions and maybe that changed the way the game played. Yeah, I think that was the thing that I had heard was like three is kind of weak. It's really mm -hmm. four is the thing. And so now that Kate is here to play the game, um, I think that was one of the reasons. 
I have a question for you, though. Okay. Um, so since you have not played this game, mm-hmm. does it intrigue you? Would you pull it off a shelf? Mm-hmm. I really like the cover. Um, yeah, animals and, and cuteness. Yeah, I like it. Even if they're very angry looking animals. Um, they don't actually, really? I don't know that angry so much, but I, the mischievous, yes. I mean, the cat is a calico holding a halberd, but he's smiling. Uh, he might be the most evil looking one. He's sure. Smiling, right. basically, looks like cat. he's going to kill you with that weapon. <laughs> pretty you know yeah he's got a dagger dagger. so the Um, the raccoon is the vagabond mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. he definitely wants to kill you all right um Um, anything else for why we're redemptioning uh i really want to like it it's one of those (laughs) things where like I, i i'm with kate like i really like the art i feel like the theme is is entertaining um, oddly enough, this is actually a game that is being used in uh, several professional military education like institutions oh, yeah. as like and I think we talked about it last time with counterinsurgency. Like this is a counterinsurgency esque game. Uh, and so there are schools within the DOD that are using this to like as an introduction to counterinsurgency as they move up into other war games. They're using this as a basis uh, to do that. And mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people that like swear by this game and like this is a game that people should be playing um so i really want to like it uh history of uh cute forest animals fighting over a forest i knew that was where you're gonna go and uh, after listening to the last episode i was like i should just totally like like make Eric wonder and have like the thing prepared for him. But I would also allow uh, the history of cats and halberds. Oh, that one sounds good too. I mean, Puss in Boots is coming out. Sure. But I don't know if he uses a halberd. No. And there's, and there's our movie a reference. Here. And I didn't even make it. <laughs> Damn it. You used up my one movie reference. <laughs> uh, so last time. I did, because uh, Kiwi just gave me the name. And as uh, we have noted, it was actually recorded around November, uh, published in December, which meant Thanksgiving. And so one of the big confusions that I talked about last time, not this time, was uh, root vegetables being a potato versus a yam. We're not going there this time. This time, I decided to let Google randomly decide. And when I typed in root and history, uh, it brought up root beer. So you are all welcome. Uh, So if you don't know what root beer is, it's from a root bark of the sassafras tree. Um, Also, uh, there's a vine that's very similar known as the sarasparilla. Um, And of course there is a drink, I think called uh, sarasparilla. Um, a sarsaparilla? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it says S-A-R. Yeah, yeah the R is, is silent. It's a sarsaparilla. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the R is silent. Anyway, this is a, a non-alcoholic caffeine-free drink that's carbonated with normally a nice thick head on top. Um, 
of foam. Uh, and of course you can get it with ice cream that makes a root beer float. Um, it was originally developed around probably the 1840s with recipes as early as the 1860s. Um, druggists around this whole time, right? That drugstores were where you got sodas and those types of things. They were generally sold for medicinal type purposes. Um, the root beer itself was assigned to pharmacist Charles Elmer Hires, uh, who was one of the first ones to commercially brand root beer. He wanted to call it root tea because he was one of those um, temperate pupils in the late 19th century, should we say? I think they called them teetotalers. Uh, but he was trying to market in Philadelphia, which was heavily uh, a mining coal place at the time. And so he named it Root Beer as opposed to Tea to make it more marketable. It was right, right, widely distributed by the 1890s. Um, and then by 1919, Roy Allen opened his first root beer stand in Lodi, California. Anyone want to guess what the name of the one in California was called? Franchise? Oh, A&W? Yeah. I boycott A&W. Okay. Well, <laughs> still. 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 I remember eating there like almost once a week as a kid. You're part of the problem. Two and a half decades later, and I still boycott <laughs> A&W. I mean, I haven't eaten there since probably I was like 12, but... You know, look, not 10, 12. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, A&W, uh, IBC is another big brand. However, apparently, um, Safroil was used in many of the early 20th and mid 20th century versions of root beer, as opposed to the original, right, natural products. And um, it was eventually banned because they found that Safroil in large quantities actually developed permanent liver damage. So I don't know if we all should be drinking large amounts of root beer. And medicinal may have to be like out on a thing. Doesn't, uh, doesn't large amounts of regular beer also crush your liver? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Okay. Uh, yeast was originally added to it, uh, but modern day, you usually have your anise, uh, sarsaparilla, uh, acacia, black cherry, uh, sometimes different types of soybean pea proteins, you know, those types of things. So there you go. Root beer. Yeah. I bet Marquis de Cat was drinking a frosty root beer. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. So I, I'm sure that, uh, BP and Eric both remember. So, uh, Kate, listen up. Uh, in Root, uh, we play as one of four factions, although those four in the base game, I think there's like nine or ten now uh, with expansions, uh, each scoring victory points in their own way. So we have the invading Marquis de Cat, who wishes to exploit the woodland using its vast resources to fuel her economic and military machine. Uh, she scores points by constructing buildings in the woodland. The proud Erie dynasties wish to reclaim the glory of their once great aristocracy and retake the woodland from the Marquis. They score each turn by building and protecting roosts in the woodland. The upstart Woodland Alliance wish to unite the creatures of the forest and rise up against their oppressors. They score by spreading sympathy for their case across the woodland. And then 
finally, the wily Vagabond wishes to gain fame or infamy in the midst of this brewing conflict. He scores by completing quests for the creatures of the woodland and by aiding and harming the other factions. Players win by either scoring 30 victory points or by playing and completing a dominance card. For a four-player game, we'll end up using all four base factions, uh, which last time we didn't use the Vagabond like we discussed, and the play order will always go Marquis de Cat, Eerie Dynasty, Woodland Alliance, and then the Vagabond. Uh, and then last time, I think uh, we, I chose who was which faction, and I based it solely on the color. So Eric was the Marquis de Cat, mm -hmm. I was the Woodland Alliance, and BP was the Eerie Dynasty. Mm -hmm. So. I say we mix it up this time, personally. Sure. A player's turn is made up of three phases, and each phase plays out differently for each of the factions. So the phases are birdsong, daylight, and evening. Um, and now we'll do something completely different. I left that joke in from last time. Uh, the map is made up of paths. Oh, that was a joke? <clears throat> the map is made up of paths, clearings, and forests. Generally, you move from clearing to clearing along a path. In order to do this, you must own the clearings you are moving from and to. So one or the other. So if you own the one, then you can move out of it. And if you own the other, you can move into it. To own a clearing, you must have the most warriors and buildings there. Uh, except for the Eerie Dynasty, if the clearing is tied, they break the tie in their favor. Uh, some actions may require you to spend cards. Each player has a hand of these cards that come from a shared deck, and there are four suits, foxes, rabbits, mouse, mouse, I almost said mouses, mice and birds. <laughs> uh, there are con uh, corresponding clearings that match the first three suits, and then the bird suit is wild, unless a bird card is required specifically on the card. Cards can also be used for crafting to gain their effect instead. First, you must activate the crafting pieces indicated on your card. So the Marquis crafts with workshops that they build, the Eerie with their roosts, the Alliance with sympathy, and the Vagabond uses their hammer. And crafting cards will also grant victory points. And for the Vagabond and the Woodland Alliance, it will also uh, create items that the Vagabond will use. You can battle another player in a clearing where you have warriors and the other player has any pieces. The defender can play an ambush card if it matches the suit of the clearing. If the attacker cannot play a matching ambush card, then they take two hits immediately. Otherwise, the ambush is not successful. The two dice are rolled and the higher roll is the number of hits the attacker deals and the lower number is the number of hits the defender deals, except for the Woodland Alliance who uses guerrilla tactics and always uses the higher of the two dice regardless of whether they are attacking or defending. Uh, hits are limited by the number of warriors in the clearing. So if you roll a three, but you only have two warriors, you can't score three hits, you only score two hits. And if you remove a building or any other token, uh, then you gain a victory point. Finally, we have dominance cards. There's four of them in the deck. If you discard one or spend it for its suit, you put it next to the board instead of going into the discard pile. During the daylight phase of another player's turn, you may spend one of their cards to pick up one of the dominance cards on the side of the board. If you have at least 10 victory points, you can play the dominance card to your faction area in order to activate it, and then you can no longer win by gaining 30 points. You have to uh, get the whatever the condition is on the dominance card, and then you win immediately. Uh, one last time, players win by either scoring 30 victory points or by playing and completing a dominance card. And those are the basic rules. 
I and as we go. remember last time, Kiwi then has a separate set for each of us when we choose our players. So yep. uh, let's play. We just finished a game of Root to recap. Uh, Kiwi playing the Eerie Dynasty had 19 bird points. I, as the Vagabond, had 23 questing points. BP, as the Woodland Alliance, had 26 uprising points. And Kate, as Makita Cat, had 30 lumber mill points. Winning strategy, Kate. Uh, build stuff. Mm-hmm. Building stuff got me points. Um, building and crafting got yep. me points. Uh, I mean, this this is a weird one to ask that question for, right? Because everybody's got their own thing. Yeah, everyone so has you, their own strategy. Yeah, everyone's gonna have a different strategy because they have to the way they play, where the way the game plays. Yeah, uh, I just wandered around and uh, made some trades, made some friends, mm-hmm. got some items. Uh, I tried to spread things around and tried to be as judicious as I could with my uh, decrees so that I could continue using those people as much as possible. I, I think when uh, BP went through it, she ended up going through all the leaders at least once and mm-hmm. then moving on. Because mm-hmm. uh, once you get through all four, you reset them all and you basically go through them a second time. Uh, by the end of the game, I had only gone through each one once uh, and I had just moved on to my fifth uh, leader, I guess. BP, any strategy? You know, uh, try to spread that sympathy so that, you know, we could go after that Marquis de Cat kept <sighs> those poor, poor overworked animals. So what did you think of the theme? Did it feel like we were forest people fighting for forest control? Uh... I don't know about... Oh yeah, Kate. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I don't mind. Oh no, no, I don't want to take it away from you. Oh. It says it right there on the page. Uh a little bit. I mean the area control, I guess. Yeah, we were trying to take over sections of the forests. Like you did feel that. I don't know if our creatures like we did have different characters and different abilities based on that, and those mostly lined up, but I don't know, they didn't really make you feel like a woodland creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's what I was basically going to say. Like, I don't know if it made me feel like a woodland creature trying to do all this stuff, but I did feel like I was trying to control the woods. We were saying like clearings and uh, when Eric got to do quests, he was saying like, oh, I'm going to go help a bear or you know, whatever. I think mine was the most thematic because I was doing quests and helping like mm-hmm. different things. And was, I think mine was more thematic than maybe like, Cat control. I don't know that cats are big uh, builders, building <laughs> lumber industry yeah. barons. Um, it could probably be anything, um, with the exception of the vagabond. Kind of, kind of fits a bit better, I think. Yeah, I mean, it. It. it I think we had said this the last time. It. You definitely get the area control. Control, yeah. but like, and I guess I kind of felt like I was spreading sympathy, but I didn't get to have proletariat uprisings. Like, I feel like <laughs> you had a couple of revolts like you really need yeah no you had a couple of revolts i think it was there okay uh table presence what did you think of that 
I think it would turn your head if you're walking by. I remember the first time watching Becca Scott play it on the uh, on the Twitch, I think, on her show that she has. Yeah, Game the Game. Yeah. I think it's one she had. Yeah. Um, and everything seems pretty straightforward. So, yeah, like I think it's good table presence. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like a dudes on the map type of table presence. But I think what you get differently is you get a lot of different colors with the different meeples. And I think anytime I see like meeples that aren't shaped like meeples, I'm going to turn and look. And I think the way they're screen printed is, is they got like little lines and stuff printed on them. So it's not just like a an orange blob. Like there are some marquee to cat, like little markings on it to make it look more cat like and not just a an orange wooden blob. So. Yeah, I think it looks nice. It's the colorful, the woodland map looks nice. I, I think it would jump out. Again, if you're not, if you see a bunch of meeples on a board, maybe you'd be like, meh. But um, I think it jumps out more than like, here's a map of the Mediterranean and a bunch of meeples on it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you flip this board over, it's a winter board and all of the clearings, it's uh, randomly done. So the clearings aren't marked on the other side, they're random. And the clearings have different pathways. So it's not the same. It's not just the green map, but, you know, snowy. It's uh, different as well. So it's actually like a different area, I guess, of the forest. Yeah, no, I agree with what's been said so far. I think, um, yeah, it's it's cute. Like the the little meeples that are have the animal features, um, even on, on tabletop. Like mm-hmm. they're still kind of cute. And, and the cards, like I... I had a card for a bake sale that I did not want to discard because it was cute and it was a bake sale, yeah. <laughs> but it made sense to get rid of it. But I was really sad about it. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, mechanics, Kiwi? So I like the the variable player powers. I think they're everybody is different, which we'll get to in a second when we talk about teaching it. But um, everybody's different. Everybody plays differently. Uh, so you can't just like copy everybody. Um, that playing the eerie dynasty, like I knew that I was going to have to be smart about my decrees. And so I, I liked that puzzle of trying to figure out like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this, but if I do that, I need to make sure I set myself up for the next turn or I'm going to go to turmoil. And then like, I had this whole plan, but then Kate destroyed my, (laughs) my one roost and it. Like I immediately went into turmoil and got nothing that turn. So, and I wasn't even mad about that. It was just like, well, well, here I go. Like go changing leaders again. Uh, so I, that's, I think the part that I like the most is how different every side plays. I would agree with that. I think that's the big standout for this game is that they, it's not just like asymmetry. Like I, it's beyond variable player powers. It's really just full asymmetry. Cause like, it's not like, oh, you like uh, what a mosaic where like, you know, you do this one little special power and have slightly different starting things. It's like totally different gameplay. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, which is interesting, but it could also be uh, I mean, that's obviously the big challenge of teaching the game and understanding the game. And then if you get maybe one you don't like, then like, you know, I I don't know. We haven't played it enough, but I could see like people like, oh, I really want to play this one. And if somebody two people want to play the same one, somebody has to play one they maybe don't want to or something. And I think there's like eight factions now with the different uh, expansions. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know. Is this where Reed want to talk about what? How was this different for you guys with four? I, I mean, I yes. think so. I think the vagabond. Yeah, 
I remember last time crafting didn't have much appeal because it was there. You don't do items because there's no purpose to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think like the aiding and stuff. And I feel like you could play that up even more of like trying to get the aid or like once you kind of know what cards you might need, you could be like, I really need this card if you see it or something. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like there could be a lot more like dealing involved there. Do you feel like the balance? Because the le- the first time you guys played it, it seemed like the, the factions weren't balanced well was that so the first time we played it we did mess up uh because i didn't really understand how the revolting worked so i would just revolt and you can't do that you have to that base has to be available and so i was revolting at times when i should not have been Mm. revolting and removing people's stuff it's like when you go back and look at the show notes it says 31 but with an asterisk (laughs) Uh, uh, because it was we we figured it out way too far in um, I think the things that I've read, the Marquis de Cat uh, does have a significant advantage. And so you really do have to sort of team up on that person. Mm, it's the opposite. It's the so opposite. Marquis starts strong, but by the end of the game, they kind of get cut back and it's hard for them to get points. And then uh, <laughs> the Woodland Alliance, I think, has a really high win rate mm-hmm. if the Eerie and the Cat don't work together against the Woodland Alliance. Okay, now that you say that, that makes sense because BP did, like, she was kind of slow to start, but once she got going, she was picking yeah. up. I mean, she jumped, like, 10 victory points in two turns, mm-hmm. I feel like, just being able to build. and. Had you guys agree. not cut Kate off a little bit, like, a couple turns earlier? That uh, the last like if Kiwi's big move had been a turn earlier, I think she was down to getting like one to two points per round, and BP would be rolling in like ten more points. Uh, so I think yeah, it was Kate won by a big amount on the points, but I think it was much much closer um, than it looked. And I was also geared, so I was slow to get a teapot, um, <laughs> which is, made me I was slow to get my quests going. But I think I was going to start also bringing in a lot of points. Uh, in the next few rounds so yeah i don't know it's hard to say in the balance but rules kate how is it learning the game (laughs) uh it wasn't easy uh Mm -hmm. i um i i think i struggle with this type of game um maybe back to table presence a little bit i don't know if it'd be better in person i i it was mostly clear but i still struggled to like see the board and like know what I could do based on what was going on there. I, I think Cat has the most like board trade routes and movement stuff. And uh-huh. so not being in person was probably a lot harder for you than anybody else. Yeah. Maybe Kiwi. I don't know. I don't know how the birds play, but the cat, you have to pay attention to where all your buildings are and how mm-hmm. they connect and who controls what clearing. So you got to like study the board a lot. Mm-hmm. I do. I think the Erie dynasty is kind of the same way. You do have to study the board because you have to figure out like, okay, here's the, here's my decrees. Here's what I'm going to have to do. So how do I make sure that I don't go into turmoil? So you are examining the board uh, a good amount, especially if like one of those items is battle or build, you really have to make sure you're set in a place where you can do that. Um, but I think my experience with tabletop simulator, being able to move around, like I didn't feel that as much. So I could yeah. see where that that might come in and, and hurt Kate a little bit, being less yeah. experienced with tabletop simulator. I was like, it's interesting because the birds are a bit more complex because you have to pull off a specific thing every turn. But at least you have like a, a defined goal. I think it seemed like sometimes Kate was like, I don't know what I should be doing. Like, yeah. Um, so that's, I think, actually a challenge of the cat that isn't spelled out directly is that like you kind of have a lot of different options and Mm -hmm. um, a lot of choices to pick from. 
I'll say learning because the vagabond was new, uh, pretty easy, straightforward. Um, I didn't. I think it might be the easiest one to play. You don't really mm. worry about what everyone else is doing. Um, so that was, that was pretty easy to pick up. Yeah, I do think, uh, I mean, the the Woodland Alliance did say it had uh, the most, the highest difficulty, I think. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but uh, I think you someone had said, Eric, I think it was you, like uh, you gave some stats and I was like, let's not talk stats with BP's playing. Uh, so uh, I don't know for the learning curve for that, but I think uh, kind of going in like just, I definitely think playing it the second time was easier. And I don't know that Kiwi had to go into so many details with each individual right play option. Uh, but I think that's what we did last time is Kiwi tried to do the explanation for each one, but you read the back of it, you're pretty good to go until you like go through, right, one or two, you know, you go through them all, right, to, to figure out what you're going to be doing. And then you you kind of pick it up. Yeah, I guess rule book the second time around. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I was still in a, a, a decent amount. There were some things that I had to look up. Um, the rule book is done up like this kind of, it, it goes back to like, really old school style war games where it's like, you know, movement 1.2.3, you know, movement rule one and then movement two. two. Mm-hmm. So I was like bouncing a lot in between the two. I, I kind of wish it was laid out like a normal rule book. Um, I definitely taught this one differently than I did last time. Cause last time I went through everybody's faction before mm-hmm. we even started the game. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was too much mm-hmm. when we did that before. So this time I just was like, okay, Kate, here's how the cat plays. And then Kate played her turn. And then we went to me mm-hmm. and I kind of voiced out loud what I was doing because I didn't need to teach myself how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we did yours. And I, I felt like that was a much better because we got into playing faster. Right. Yep. So that if I taught this again, I, I think I would keep that kind of same. I would touch on, hey, here's the same. Here's how battle works. Here's what buildings do. That's the general idea of the game. And then go into each player's faction mm-hmm. uh, when I taught. So. But I'm not a fan of the rule book. I will say that. So I have a question because you brought up about the whole uh, at the beginning of the podcast as well or the beginning of the episode and then uh, about the rule book, kind of this link to wargaming. Is it because it's majority control, but also variable player powers that makes it seem... I think it's a, it's absolutely the variable player powers, okay. uh, but it, because it's a, I don't want to say beginner because it's definitely not a beginner game, but the idea of counterinsurgency, for whatever reason, it is much easier to teach it with this game so that people have like a better understanding of that idea. Is that the Woodland Alliance? That's a, Yeah, absolutely okay. the Woodland Alliance. So like if you wanted to put a... You know, how do I equate this to real world? Mm. The Marquis, the Cat, and the Erie dynasties are probably, you know, the United States and the United Nations. Mm -hmm. And then when you think of the Woodland Alliance, you're really looking at, you know, ISIS, ISIL, the Taliban in Iraq and Afghanistan. I was going Communist Manifesto. So, and and you could go that (laughs) route too. But I, I think that's where it comes in. And then you can take those elements from that game. And then you could go into a more historical based, right. you know, something based in Vietnam or or the eighteen forty eight revolutions. You know. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's and it's not that it's easy to teach. Mm-hmm. It's just that because players will have a tendency to go like, okay, I'm the United States. 
how does the United States think about like this, right. when that maybe might not be an element of the game at all. I don't have players thinking about what would Russia do. Right. It's they're trying to play this one faction. So it's just the concepts are kind of easier. Okay. Yeah. Uh, player interaction. As the Vagabond, I didn't really interact that much. I just kind of provided aid, but I wasn't too worried about who I was giving aid to. Um, other than that, the turns take a while. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my takeaway. Yeah, I, you know, until it was my turn, I rarely looked at the board and then just like, is someone attacking me, then what do I get in response? And yeah. Yeah, I think this game really needs uh, over the, because it's hard to have kind of that table banter Mm -hmm. the way we have it set up here. I think you could have a lot more table banter and talk in person. In person. Mm -hmm. Would you though? I feel like every, you gotta like, I think everybody was thinking about what they wanted to do mm-hmm. and they were just waiting for their turn to come around. I don't know that you'd be mm-hmm. like, I don't think you could have much banter because you'd be like constantly like thinking about your next move and stuff. I don't know if you'd get a lot of banter in this game. There's some interaction, of course, though, with the sure. battles and the yeah. area control, right? Um, yeah, it's definitely an interactive game play. I'm just like socially, I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Especially for me, I, I mm-hmm. speaking from the vagabond this time, like. Yeah. I really didn't worry about too much about what you guys were doing, other than to help Kate out. But that was about it. Right, to, yeah, to move to my wood on my sawmill. Yes. <laughs> and like paying attention to help you figure out, like check the board to see if you had wood routes and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, look at that. BP popped up here today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me go give her a card. <laughs> All right. Uh, would you play it again? We'll start with Kate. Um, no, <laughs> I I think this isn't confirmed that I don't like this type of game. Yeah. What did you not like? I don't know. I just don't think I like the the combat area control. I think we've played a few of those now. And, you know, I was weighing, was it, you know, the experience or this or that? But I, yeah, I, I don't think I like this type of game. Yeah, yeah I think you've said that before about area control, that it's yeah. not your favorite mechanic. I wonder if I played it a few more times, would I enjoy it? Because I think I think a little part of like the experience for all the times that we played this type of game is that it's so complicated and I just don't enjoy the amount of time it takes me to like figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if we played it, you know, like once a week and I knew all the characters and like we could just jump into it, maybe I would like it more. But I don't think I like that that sort of sort of yeah, area control combat type setup okay yeah i'll i'll follow that up i would agree pretty much the same like this is the type of game i feel like the more you play it the better it gets because then you know what everybody's doing i don't think these are good these are harder to like play once and move on kind of games i feel like but yeah i don't they're not really my type of game either i did like the vagabond a lot more uh and i think that's why it's in the game is so like if there's somebody who doesn't really want to do all like the fighting over stuff mm-hmm. you have the vagabond character but i wouldn't play it again just i might play it again if i could always get the vagabond but <laughs> that doesn't seem like a good reason to play this game i think there's other games that could do that that i could do that and then everybody else could also play that character so so do you think it redeemed itself uh no uh bp i We'll say that I feel like I enjoyed it a lot more this time around. This is going to sound weird because I'm pretty sure the first time I said no, right? 
Yes. Uh, you and Eric both said no the first time. I feel like I would. I feel like it redeemed itself the second time around. I think that also goes back to kind of what Eric said with the, um, it's not just a one, like you, you, I feel like it's one of those games you may have to play multiple times to enjoy a little bit more. Yeah. As, as you learn, so we, we've played right. uh, several games. I think Eric and I talked about that with Netrunner too, where we could see why people really like it, but it's not a game that we wanted to invest time in to get to the point where we would be at the same place. Um, I'm going to say yes as well. I also had a much better time playing it this time, and I liked having all the factions, but I also said yes last time too. (laughs) Um, I think I understand. I I definitely understand why people like it. I definitely understand why there are military schools that are using it to help teach. Um, I don't think it's something I would add to the collection, but I do not think I would. I don't think I would ever say no. If someone was like, hey, I want to play Root, right? I would probably say, yeah, let's do it. Right. All right. That is uh, Root Half Redeemed. Half Redeemed. Yeah. Kind of interesting. If you have any recommendations of games you think we should uh, redeem because you have listened to our episodes in the past and uh, most of us were on the no side, just send us those recommendations. Um, you can do so at email first turn tabletop and the twitter and instagram at first turn cast and the podcasting camel says as he's uh he's got his woodland alliance flag that he's like traveling through waving saying come on come on revolt uh don't forget to rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers and we look forward to hearing from you play more games Still looking for a teapot, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you need any travel gear? The man needs teapots. Uh, now, the more important part is, is because Kate uh, destroyed my bunny roost uh, down here, uh, I go into turmoil. So I'm going <laughs> to use uh, five. <laughs> Like you're having you a good moment. Great chaos and then turmoil. <laughs> now that I'm here, I'm gonna fix the shed. <laughs>